and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, sharing some of life's sugar sticks, and then conversing on raising children. I am Molly Kingston, your producer, and joining me on the panel tonight is Pastor Ben Kingston, Dr. Gavin Hooks, and Mr. John Yerke. Can you introduce yourself to the audience, John? So yeah, uh, John Yerke, born and raised here in St. Clair. I've been a firefighter since 2008, been married since 2010, uh, went to Bethel a little bit before 2010 with my wife mm -hmm. and uh, three kids. Not too exciting anymore. Um, <laughs> just kind of new, new excitement. Yeah. Good. All right. Gentlemen, riddle me this. A cowboy rode into town on Friday. He stayed for three nights and rode out on Friday. How is this possible? So I'll say it again. Yeah, an, the answer to the riddle. A cowboy rode into town on Friday. He stayed for three nights and rode out on Friday. How is this possible? The horse's name is Friday. Correct. <laughs> and someone in the audience also got it. Very good, Layla. The horse's name is Friday. <laughs> oh, so... <laughs> We encourage audience members to text any questions or input about all topics or discussions that we broach. As always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Now, I meant to um, change Dr. Gavin Hooks's address to Grandpa yeah, Gavin Hooks. New, new title. Yes. Yeah. He has moved up in the ranks. Sarah had Maverick. That's why Ryan is not here tonight, is he's staying home with mom and baby. New dad, enjoying the first week. You betcha. That's where he belongs. Exactly. All right. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. So I listened to the first few moments of last week's, and I'm really glad I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys did excellent. But that is one of the harder passages of this Romans 6, 7, and 8, in my humble opinion. And then this one here, 7, 7 through 11, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's just low-hanging fruit. Uh, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Now, if you're not careful, you might think that he's trying to put the law in a negative light. He, he's not at all. He's, he's telling you something that he will later say in one of the Pauline epistles is that, you know, because the, the Judaizers, the scribes and Pharisees, which he was one of, they tried to turn the law into the life giver. They tried to turn the law into salvation. If you'll keep the law, you'll be fine. Well, the reality is, is no one can keep the law. 
and that's what Paul is trying to explain. And in another passage, he talks about the fact that the law is the schoolmaster to teach us that we need a Savior. So he, he is bringing this out vividly because he was a student of the law before he became a Christian pastor. He was a zealot among the zealots, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He sat down with the law and memorized it and tried to live by it uh, and the such. And so this passage is him showing, he, you know, before he was saved, at the first he had a love relationship with the law, but the law brought out his exceeding sinfulness. And he realized, I, th this is not going to get me to heaven. I am not fit for heaven and never will be. Comments? So the, this is a passage of scripture to me that demonstrates Paul's brilliance. His, his legal mind, his, uh, his nimble mm -hmm. mind, and his way to bring out an aspect that you wouldn't necessarily understand otherwise. So the law gives us the understanding of how to live, but not the ability. And, and he's explaining that the law is like a black light on invisible ink. So when you show the, the law on the, the soul of man, it exposes the dark spots, the sins, the, the blemishes, the things that are killing us. Um, so his, his ability to, to help bring that aspect, especially in context with his history or his past, is just brilliant. Right. To, to turn it back on the Pharisees and say this is what the law actually does to the soul of man. Amen. Uh, so, you know, when we get down into it here, uh, you know, you ask these obvious questions. What should we say then is the law sin? Well, of course it's not. Uh, but nay, I had not known sin but by the law. So there's that schoolmaster, you know. The, the law shed the light to me that I was a sinner uh, because I, I didn't know lust, he says, except the law told me that I, I couldn't covet. But then sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. So once this light was shed into my life, I realized not only do I, not, do I covet, I covet among the best of them. You know, concupiscence is to be uh, basically defrauded by any and every, you know, temptation. Uh, you ever heard of the, the phrase a double entendre? So when a guy says something, and in, in fact, I won't go into great detail, uh, but I had a conversation today. Uh, with two fellows that, you know, I said the wrong thing and they started laughing and, you know, oh, I don't, you know, I don't think you should was say Brad that. Was Brad there? No, uh, Brad, no. believe it or not, Brad was not there, but it was like a Brad-like moment. And so I turned it on them because we were talking about raising a modern day night. And I said, well, this is kind of, what would the word be, exposes our need uh, for this type of training because just the fact that you guys' mind went there, <laughs> that's a problem, you know. Uh, so concupiscence, and I was going to look it up here in my um, uh, 1828 uh, Webster Dictionary. There it is. Uh, to covet or lust after desire or covet lust, unlawful or irregular desire of sexual pleasure. In a more general sense, the coveting of carnal things or an irregular appetite for worldly good. Uh, inclination for unlawful enjoyments. Now, you know, I always roll over, if you will, uh, and hold up my hands when it comes to what ladies struggle with. I, I don't know. You would have to tell me. With that said, I know what men struggle with. Uh, the, the book, Every Man's Battle, 
uh, in the such. And so I, I'm not putting every man necessarily to the same uh, extent that I struggle, but I, I've talked to enough men to know that it, it is a daily, sometimes moment by moment struggle, this concupiscence, if you will, uh, or, you know, thou shalt not covet. And so in this, he says, by, but sin taking occasion by the commandment. So once this light was shed, I realized how what I was doing wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Now, I don't believe he's saying that sin was of no effect. He's saying that he was dead to the reality that this was sin, you know. He just didn't get it. But once he got into the law and realized it, it is wrong, you, thou shalt not covet. And, and so now he had to do something with it. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. You know, so now he realizes I, I am not able, I do not have the ability within my flesh to overcome this sin. Comments? Right on. And, of course, you know, again, we get back to the law being the schoolmaster. So if you and I can't overcome the sin in our lives, and you referred to it a couple weeks ago when I asked the young lady at the DMV, is there anything in your life left to itself will destroy you? And, and yes, she had something, and we all have something. You know, p pick your poison, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's mental abuse, whether it's suicide thoughts. I mean, fill in the blank. If we let that stuff go unchecked, if we don't get help, it's going to destroy us. Well, Paul came to that place, you know. Uh, when sin revived, I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Now, you know, we're, we're basically to the end of this discussion today, uh, but, you know, the good news is coming, you know. The, the, when we talk about the gospel, we talk about the bad news and the good news. The, the bad news is, is that we're sinners, and we deserve eternal punishment. The good news is, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and every man, woman, boy, and girl that uh, repents of their sins and accepts what Jesus did on the cross, you will be saved. Uh, and so this is just Paul basically uh, getting into the weeds of the bad news. Comments? I feel like this you could really get into the weeds with because it is tricky, like you said in the beginning. Um, and there's a word that keeps coming up, and it's carnal. Yes. You've said that more than once. Yes. And that is a word, I don't know, we probably don't have time. but no, we've I, got time. You're yeah, good. We're doing good. Can we get into the weeds with that word? Because yeah, to me, that's almost like, that's almost the sweet spot, if you will. If you don't want to be too serious, I can still get into heaven. So where does that fall in line with, uh, like, false teaching and the wide path and narrow gate kind of stuff? Let's get into the weeds with that okay. word carnal because that is a confusing word. It is. And it kind of goes with this. So, so, so it's an ascending order. Uh, the lost person is certainly carnal. Okay. But they are lost and, and they have no hope for heaven. Then the saved person... There's two, there's two things there. You've got the carnal saved person, and then you've got the spiritual saved person. And you, you said it, you know, the, the sweet spot. And even though most people don't even realize what they're doing to call it that, but, you know, it, Charles Swindoll called it, I'll take $3 of God. Mm. I, I just want to get into heaven. 
you know? Right, yeah, if I, you can I, have your best life here, and like, right. why not? Sign me up for that. Right, that's But then exactly. there's the part of you that, you know, I was kind of taught here is you, sh that's not where that, you should be. That's not enough, right. And, 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 you know, each person, that's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, okay? God doesn't make deals, you know? Uh, okay, God, I, I'll accept your salvation if you just kind of let me, leave me alone. You know, let me do my thing. No, mm -hmm. no that's not how it works. Uh, doing, doing your thing means, sure, and, and that's the, Tom Nays used to say, um, God will not send anyone to hell, but he will respect your decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the person that wants to live their life, they're probably never going to get saved type thing. Uh, with that said, the person that does get saved but then they're struggling with the carnal appetites of or the flesh. Or not struggling. Right, right. Or they're they're struggling. just giving in. Yeah. They're, they're but then are you, that's like towards the end of this, then are you... Truly saved? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is what I was going with that, though, John. Um, you're carnal, and there is scripture to support a carnal Christian. They're undiscipled. Mm. They're undiscipled. They're unchallenged. Uh, they're they're happy, if you will, in their but but you know the Bible says very clearly the pleasures of sin will last but for a season, and so sooner or later, when that comes to an end, when when that carnal life, you know, the in Proverbs it says the backslider will be filled with his ways, you know, so so they just get sick and tired of being sick and tired, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then they come to Christ. Again, they're saved, but they come to Christ and go, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I've been trying to do it my own way. I'm carnal. You know, they may not even know to say that, right. but that's what they are. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. And I would say if everyone's being honest, if you look at yourself now, if you go back we've five, all ten, had a we've season. all been carnal. You, know, you better believe it. Because if, you know, where I am now is not where I was ten years ago. So if I had died ten years ago, yeah, I, I was a Christian saved, right. but then I think, well, not like now. Right. Amen. So I, I, I was saved at age five, but I, I did not have a church that was sold out to discipleship. I believe I had a parent group that absolutely, you know, tried to disciple me. They brought me up in the ways of God and the ways of the word. But there was a formality there missing that... For me, it was almost a take-it-or-leave-it thing. <clears throat> you know. So in other words, I could take it if I wanted. I could leave it if I wanted. So I left it. <laughs> and, and when I got in college, the Holy Spirit drew the line and said, we're not going any further until you make these decisions. You know? and, and if you go through the book of John, it was pretty much those things in the book of John. You've got to love the Word. You've got to love the Word. You've got to love the brethren. I was a racist back then. I was raised in Arkansas, you know, uh, and, and people can argue with me all they want. I, they struggle down south. They absolutely struggle. And so I did too. Well, I, I dealt with that, you know. Um, and, and so every man, every woman that knows Christ is my brother and sister regardless of their skin color. I couldn't say that at age 17. Mm -hmm. Couldn't say it. I, I didn't understand it. Uh, but but once I got into the Word of God, He drew the line. I mean, you know, I, I was going from carnal to spiritual, 
you know, never put on the armor, didn't understand what a spiritual gift was. I mean, you just go right down the line of discipleship areas I was lacking. In uh, Romans, Paul makes the statement, because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can, can be. be. We'll cover that, I guess, in the next chapter. But, uh, and then he makes several other statements throughout his writings referring to carnal being a, a label that he puts on certain ideas and behaviors. Um, so you, you know, when somebody said that they were following Apollos, he says, you're not, you're not spiritual, you're being carnal. You're trying to put a man um, in, in the place of God and follow him rather than what God has for you to do. So car- carnality is, a, is, en- is an enemy of God, and it's um, an ally with, the, with God's enemy, with the, Satan. So a carnal Christian is, is a, what, maybe a really easy mark for the enemy to oh my use goodness. and to discredit uh, the church, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen that too many times that somebody took on a, a leadership role, but yet they hadn't made the conquering of the carnal nature uh, to the degree they needed to for that leadership position. But um, so, so carnal things are at enmity, and, and because you love the word, God will one by one put a finger on things that step that's between you and him. That, so that makes sense. And I think we've, me and Ben, we've had conversations about myself in the past on things like that, where it's, you're not going any further until you fix it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here recently, <clears throat> uh, I would say within the past year, you know, cussing, you ain't going no further <laughs> until you fix it. Amen. And it wasn't like every cent, but like you get to the fire, you yeah. things, you talk and slip and yeah. and there was just something like I said before, just snapped and you're done. You're no more. Not <laughs> right. a, another one. You're not Amen. alone there, brother. <laughs> not another one. And, and isn't that awesome? And there's other things in the yeah. You go to alcohol and all kinds of stuff. Alcohol he, you're done. Yeah. He, he loves us to draw those lines. You know, um, our, and we're, you know, we, we've been getting into this some with Have a New Kid by Friday, but our world struggles with the loving hard line. They struggle with that. They, they, they don't want to be told no. But God loves us yeah. enough to tell us it, it, it's not got anything to do with me trying to rob you of joy. It's got everything to do with me helping you get to where you need to be so that you can enjoy more joy. And it doesn't help if we're programmed to. That's right. All these things are cool. and Right. Well, to well, yeah. pleasure. You want to be in, you're going to. Yeah. Well, because the world yeah. almost basically has this as a, if you're not going to cuss, you can't be a part of us, exactly. you know, type yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. And, well, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, type deal. But, um, yeah, that's a very good point. I, one thing I was thinking of, too, and Molly just, you know, ring the bell whenever. But, oh, uh, a carnal church is difficult because they want the preacher to act a certain way. They want to be talked to a certain way uh, they don't want to be told no on certain things this that and the other um, and so a spiritual minded church uh, is going to be so much more free you know and, and the spirit in the church is going to be so much more free uh, but but a carnal person and it's the best place for a carnal Christian is in a church that is free but righteous 
and, and again, lovingly draws those lines because it calls them to that deeper life with Christ. I reminded that uh, scene in uh, the, the, um, the shack where the, the, the garden is and there's a big empty spot in the center and every every plant and, and this is just this is I haven't had anything major like that that man had happen to him but every time God put his finger on something carnal and I had to pull it out of my life he put something back in place that bloomed and was so much more productive so much more of a blessing and something that I could share with other people uh, Christ came to get to give us life and give it more abundantly and that this is a real good area where we can see what his intent is for our life to put it, put his finger on something that's destructive and dark and uh, robbing us of a, of a blessing and replace it with something that's life-giving and uh, fulfilling. Yeah, that's very true. What would you say was replaced? For me, I would say peace on a lot of the things that was taken out. Peace was put in. Just a sense of peace that I probably wouldn't have ever had. I think, I think, Un, I don't know how to like the opposite of peace is what marks a carnal Christian because they're fighting constantly against their redemption to hold on to what they want from the world. And so I don't think they can experience peace. I think they're constantly potentially, you know, facing conviction from the Holy Spirit and, mm. and even from their Christian friends who may be loving them enough to draw the hard lines with them. And so I, I do think peace is definitely a... Uh, a reward for someone who leaves the carnal Christian life behind. I think a good word is angst. Mm. You know, uh, that's the way I am. When I'm not right with the Lord, I'm just full of angst. Um, and, and, you know, it's no way for a preacher to be. <laughs> Doesn't pay, you know. Uh, and so when you can get to that place of, of peace, uh, but, but you have to be right with God, you know, to do that. Uh, you know, it, it always comes up when it comes to things of honesty. And I'll just tell somebody, I, I can't remember what I did this this week, that the person was like, man, th thanks, you know, because th there had been a mistake to my favor, but it was not going to be good for them once the, you know, rang out at the end of the day. And I told them, so well, I, I got to sleep with myself tonight. And it, for me, it, even though it saved me $9, <laughs> it wasn't worth it to me to have a bad night's sleep. It can't wait for them to open up so I can go tell them you cheated yourself, mm -hmm. you know. All right. Peace uh, and a thir thirst for for truth was the thirst mm -hmm. for the truth was the sub what happened when God Substitute. put his finger on alcohol for me. Hmm. Very good, very good discussion. Um, we had someone text in the verse John thirteen thirty four through thirty five, a new commandment I give unto you that ye <laughs> love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another but this shall all men know that ye are my disciples Sounds if children. ye have love to one mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. very good alright so moving on to the sugar stick section so this is just a time where we share something that has brightened our life and since it's the season mine is the beauty of autumn or fall and also going hand in hand is the joy of four seasons. The fact that we get yeah. to experience all four of that. them. Yeah. yeah. We're losing our snow, but. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Still get winter time. So looking through the portal of heaven, I preached on this Sunday night. Uh, have you looked through the portal today? Uh, people are waiting. Places are being prepared. The heavenly host is there. 
the person who is worthy is there, the events that are surely to happen, the music and the beauty, looking through the portal of heaven. It's just brought a new segment, if you will, of my, my quiet time with the Lord. Gavin, your sugar stick. So I always uh, rejoice when I find a source, uh, a reference or a source that is refreshing, that is insightful, that's um, something that's uh, current and, and has very, a lot of depth. And some of you guys probably know Victor David Hansen, but he's a guy I've yes. stumbled across yes. here recently. And some of his, he's become very public recently, and I'm grateful that he has. He just has the ability to state, to give you a soundbite that summarizes the whole thing, right. the whole situation. He, he said in one of his articles here, says, in Israel, the rockets protect the civilian population. In Gaza, the civilian population protects the rockets. He said mm. that, that defines the, the difference yeah. between the two factions. So things like that uh, um, are the ability to do that's a gift, and, and just have rediscovered him in the last few months here, and, and have been it's been a joy. Yeah. Very good, John. Uh, mine's actually the same as yours, Molly. Uh, um, oh, there. Yeah, I went hunting last night for the first time this year, and I was just sitting there, and I was telling my cousin before the show that I didn't want to kill a deer. I, I just went because Sadie had no practice, we had nothing to do. Went behind the house, went hunting, and then it's just like it hit me. I was looking around, and I wrote down every color I saw, and it was every color on the color palette. <laughs> yes. The sky was blue. You had red leaves, green leaves, yellow leaves, black oak, brown, like every color you can think of and every shade in between those colors. And it was like a colored just explosion, and it was yeah. the cool. I was in the middle of it. And it yeah, was the right. coolest yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so you you wrote down every. So you had every color in the man's palette or in a lady's palette. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> <get> magenta. <laughs> well, that was the every color in between. So he made his man's palette, and yeah, <laughs> sure. I like it. Yeah, th if there were probably no pastels. No, there was no pastels. <laughs> But you had green, red, yellow, orange, brown, tan, peach, white, purple, black, blue. Cool. And different shades of every single one of them. Yeah. So uh, one of the spots that I hunt, it's it's all maples. They're and pretty right now. At oh certain man. times They're of the popping. year, that mm -hmm. particular spot is just yellow. Yep. It, it's just yellow, and I just love it. Go ahead. All right. Very good. Uh, mystery topic. John, did you bring a mystery dun, dun, dun. topic? I do, actually. Okay. <laughs> so your name can be added on. You'll be Ryan. You, okay. you we can. You, Brad, the you don't got to worry about it. He can just be Ryan. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's Dad. <laughs> My voice went up in inflection when I said Dad. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Oh, <laughs> so you were a part of this. You were a part of this. This was the night, Sunday night, when Maverick was born. <laughs> Why do I get so mad when someone asks me to do something I do not want to do? I've got the answer. <laughs> Is this yes. a riddle? I've or got, <laughs> no, I've got the answer. But, you know, we were standing in the hallway. Ooh, and yeah. we had no idea that that was like the unpardonable sin. So a lady that will, you know, not be named, but she came and said, and she was as nice as she could be. She say, really was. She was sweet. She was nervous. You know, I don't know if she's been just, you know, berated by other people. I don't know. But it was obvious that she was going to get us into the waiting room. 
problem is, is there was another large family in the waiting room, and we were going to have to split up to sit in there or stand. So we just chose to stand out in the hallway. So she made it very clear that that can happen. And Gavin took the diplomatic approach. Can I ask why? And her response was, well, we've got people that are coming through here on gurneys and yada, yada, yada. So I'm sitting there in my head, and I had already, before she ever came out, I had already read upteen hundred things that I could not do in that hospital hallway. Never once did it say I couldn't stand in the hallway. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm fixing to ask this woman, you know, okay, I, you got everything else up here. Yes, show me. <laughs> show me. Show me. And, and I'm asking you right now, will you be fired if I don't go into that waiting room? Because if you won't, I'm just going to stay right here. Now, in my humble opinion, had that happened, she probably, rightfully so, would have called security, and they would have removed me. And who knows if that would have made headlines. But, you, you know, that's not ever good for a preacher. Okay. So, you know, so, so I was left with that. I, I got fighting mad. I, my daughter knew it because she knows me. Uh, I don't know if anybody else knew it. I got quiet. That's not good. I mean, I'm never quiet, you know. So why do I get so mad when someone asks me to do something I don't want to do? Sin. We've already talked about that. Nature. It's my nature uh, to not be told to anything to do. You know, you can't tell a man anything. You know, you ever heard that? Selfish. I, I was being selfish. That, that lady possibly did have her job on the line on an insurance level. If someone would have come through there with a gurney and then they had a, a fit and hit me that now I've got a lawsuit towards the hospital, all that stuff. Proud is another reason that I get mad. I'm just pri prideful if I'm not careful. Stubborn. You know, I'm, just, I'm stubborn uh, and arrogant. And so, you know, when you can admit these things about yourself and work that direction instead of how can I get my way, you know, because that's what I was left with is, why do I care? Why, why am I so tore up? Just go to the waiting room, man. <laughs> Carnal was the word that came to my mind. <laughs> Carnal was the word that came to my mind. And I'm, I was in the same boat with you. You saw me getting red-faced, too. It wasn't just the one time. It was probably the third or fourth time that we had been oh, run out it, of a She made it. Hallway. She so was not. It, yeah. So finally, I, I just had to die to it. And, yeah. and I was later ashamed because yeah, well, I saw too. somebody. That's a mystery topic. Yeah, somebody <laughs> came out of a room, busting out of a room, in a bed, down the hallway. So I, I got it. So, And they're under enough stress already. So when... Right after Sarah delivered, I, I was going to see that baby. So I, we went back mm -hmm. to the, and then the lady that came out of the room and said, you guys can't be in the hallway. She's not ready for you. Go back in the waiting room. She, she didn't ask. Right. She told us she to. She told us. That's when I knew something serious was going on. So I said, we kind of went back to the waiting room and then got news that there was something serious going on in Sarah's delivery. So... I, that's when I started to feel bad. You, yeah. know, you know, we we don't need to make their job right. any harder. Amen. They're, they're, Amen. they're stressed enough, just like everybody else, especially in the medical field. Felt a little embarrassed that I yeah. had gotten upset. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, we're we're two years post COVID, but but still, you know, those folks they were on the front lines, and yep. uh, yeah. I, I had never heard compassion fatigue until COVID. You know, but I heard a lady talk about that that. A lot of the medical community was experiencing compassion fatigue. You know, they they just <laughs> they just didn't have any more. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it, yeah. the, the barrel was empty. Yeah. I get I get that, and so um, you know that, that's why Sunday nights are so bad for a preacher. You know, uh, you you just wore out. You just slapped wore 
out. And uh, so and we were we were all tired. It was yeah. late late in the yeah. evening, so all of us were a little bit raw. But amen. We, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we all handled ourselves honestly very well. I know internally we were probably <laughs> not, but rethinking the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Let, let, we probably ought to leave it there. But but amen. Uh, absolutely. And, and just so you know, everything's good with Maverick and yes. Sarah. Yeah. Hallelujah, yeah. praise land. They're home. Amen. Okay, well, we still have five minutes left on the mystery topic. Oh, that's so you said it? Okay, anyway. You got one? No, I don't have one. I didn't have to prepare one. My name wasn't on the wheel. Oh, that's Ooh, true. Yeah. I was last week. Um, but we can just move on to favorite life phrases. Because this could take some time. Yeah. Favorite life phrases. Who wants to go first? One of my favorites is Jack Powers. Uh, I'd rather be shot than drugged to death. We were talking about going to some committee meeting at somewhere, and he said, oh, come on, fellas, I'd rather be shot than drugged to death. <laughs> Jack had several. Mm. Uh, looked like the devil for daylight. Uh, I don't know if I'm a foot or horseback. Uh, yeah, those are good. But, yeah, I'd rather be shot than drugged to death. Uh, one life to live, soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. That was the first thing that came to mind when you put out the, the breakdown. John? Classic Ben Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have a few. Uh, one of them is, if you get in your head to quit tomorrow, you can do anything. Ooh. And just quit tomorrow. Okay. And the next day, I'll quit tomorrow. <laughs> just keep pushing it. Yeah. Oh, okay, Push I back. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep pushing so in other words, quitting is not an option nope. today. You'll never quit. I'll quit you tomorrow. Get there you through go. A, a whole lot of manure that way. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yep. Whatever it takes. Very good. Uh, mine was grab a root and growl. It, I am ashamed to admit it took until I was in my adulthood to realize that those first were three words. Grab a root. I thought it was just a random word, grab a root. Huh. I don't know. Again, you said it to me a lot as a kid, and it didn't come to me until much later when I was thinking about gardening. That I was like, oh, that's what it is. You grab a root and growl. <laughs> yeah, so that, but that's one that, uh, that I think of a lot. Uh, kind of the same with you can do anything if you say you're going to quit tomorrow. It's the same thing, just to kind of persevere through a tough situation. And then also, if we don't laugh, we cry. Yeah, that's, that's right. You're only as good as the information that you have. I go back to the story years and years ago. I was doing the music, actually, during the meet and greet time. And a lady walks up and says, I was in the hospital this week, Brother Ben. It sure would have been good to see you. I looked at her and I said, did you tell me that you were in the hospital this week? No, but it sure would have been good you to see you. No. <laughs> yeah, I should, you know, ESP. Uh, you preachers know everything, right? And so that really honestly was one of the first experiences that gave birth to that phrase, you're only as good as the information that you have. Uh, Jamie Froster texted in and my phone's messing up. Give me a second. Um... What you think is so important today most likely won't matter a year from now. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight. Well, you know, when we were in high school, we thought, this man, this is the most important times of my life. You know, and, and that always uh, kills me. And I even, when, when Megan got the opportunity to speak at graduation, I had already gotten this to her. Don't stand up there and say, these are the greatest days of our lives, because <laughs> it's not. You're just getting started. Yep. You truly, really do not know much still at this point. And so you, there's 
all of life still yet to live. I do not uh, intermingle with one person that I graduated high school with. Really? <laughs> None. No, well, I, I you also live a state away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A state away. And I moved the semester of my senior year from one school that I'd been at four and a half years to the next school. And I didn't know anybody, you know. Uh, of course, I don't do Facebook. You know, mm -hmm. if I did Facebook, I might hobnob with some of them. But um, I, I do ha still have friendships with college folks. Now, now put, and don't get me wrong, if you still got friends with high school folks, that's awesome. But, you know, if we're not careful during those high school years, we, the devil convinces us that we've got to do what they're telling us to do or we're not going to be cool, you know, whatever. Right. right, or that this is the best and all we have yeah. to, look to look forward to is yeah. job, nine to five, right. and blah, 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 blah. All that fun stuff. Okay, have a new kid by Friday. All right. So I didn't read the chapter, so it's all on you guys. Yeah, listen to you. I didn't read it either. Oh, boy. Here we go. Confession it's time. <laughs> I'll try it Gavin. Let's just, we'll fake it till we make it, right? Yep. yep no, yep. I, I did. I read it. It's good stuff. Uh, Wednesday, uh, he says, show me a mean teacher, and I'll show you a good one. It's all in the perspective. Uh, one of the things he brought out here was that uh, one day his teenage daughter came home and said my my old teacher she's just mean as all get out so in his mind he got the idea of a 60 70 year old woman that wraps the knuckles with the you know yardstick and all that he went for a teacher parent meeting he said she was a 25 year old hottie <laughs> he yeah, said, I, I was thinking, kind of offended by that well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so anyway uh he, he the point is his perspective you know when he saw this lady who was truly young, but yet his 16-year-old daughter thought of her as an old ancient witch because she was expecting her to work in the... It's all about perspective. So, so uh, he, he says something very interesting here right at the beginning. Take a look down the road a few years. Who do you want your family to be? And I'm going to confess to you, I probably didn't do enough of this. I, I, did, I did a certain amount of it because I remember preaching about it and the such. I wanted all of my kids to be champions for Christ, and I believe they are on that road. I wanted all of them to be 100% confident of their salvation. I wanted them to understand what spiritual and spirit-filled living was, so on and so forth. I wanted them to live their life in such a way that brought glory and honor to God. So I knew, I knew that. And, and that's what I tried to work towards. Well, if you haven't fleshed that out in your heart and mind, you know, the old saying is, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> Whereas, if you truly have some goals for your children, and hopefully they're biblically based, now you've got a direction to, to move forward to. And you've gonna, you're going to have some, um, the word's escaping me, some structure, you know, you're, you're going to at least look for some structure to do that. Other comments along those lines? Uh, so everything, I felt the same way about my, my kids. I still, I wanted them to have a relationship with the Lord that was um, not, not just endearing to them, but fulfilling to them, and they would connect with their purpose for being here. Right. Um, so when each one of our kids were born, we prayed, Lord, connect them or show them your purpose for their life and connect them with a person who loves you uh, as a soulmate. So, so 
this statement that he makes at the top of page 54, he says, the fact is you have a big job to do, a little time in which to do it. Um, so I can remember as Megan be became a senior, uh, started having little panic wake-ups in the middle of the night. Uh, does she, is she ready? Is she is ready? She, ready yeah. is she, she was. She was ready. Um, Sarah, too. So uh, Caleb is well on his way to being ready. Um, so, you, so you're not done, but the, the bulk, the hard lifting is done by the time they're out of the house. So, um, yes, and being disciplined is hard. You're not always looked at as being nice. Um, because the, the person you're trying to teach discipline to, one of your children, they don't have that 10-year view. They're right. not old enough to have that much under their belt to, uh, to make an assessment of life yet. Um, and, and at some point, you've got to do something or something has to happen, which I've prayed for, that would show them that I have a little bit better view because I've been down the road just a little bit farther than they have. And this is something that I have found to be valuable and, and important to establish as a habit or as a... Um, a practice you know as adults we all know that every person has that aha moment where they realize shoot it's not my parents that are the dumbest <laughs> <laughs> dead gum you know well I, I think that for most if not all of us you want that to come as gently as possible for me, it came in a trailer on Riverbend Road where I'm all by myself. But it didn't come to me on the road after a wreck, a DUI, didn't come to me in a jail cell, didn't come to me when I'm getting beat to a pulp because I've made a poor decision, whatever the case may be. So we, we want that aha moment to come as gentle as possible because, you know, at 16, 17, 18, they're not listening. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it has to be that way. I'm just and saying... And your stock is pretty low. Pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low. But, but if, we've done, if we've done our praying right, and we've done our yeah. structuring right, and we've done our pointing right, sooner or later that, that does come, and it comes hopefully gently and the such. Um, Molly and Dawn and I, after graduation, we went to a hotel room. We went to a nice restaurant, and we just hung out and talked. And I asked the question, do you think you're ready to leave our house and go at a four-year college? And you want to take it from there, or am I remembering that right? I'll be honest, I don't remember okay. much of anything. I do hotel? remember doing such things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember any details. So basically, at, at the end of that, I, and I don't remember if we basically just said, just get to us when you want to, or, or you told us that night. I can't remember. But essentially, you said, I don't think I'm ready to leave the home. Yeah, I, like I wasn't. I'd like to go two years at ECC. And, and we felt 100% comfortable, but we wanted her to know that if she felt like she was ready, we were good with that. But if she felt like she needed more time, we were good with that, too. We didn't want her to think we were pushing her out. and we, But we also didn't want her to think we were holding her back. It was She was an adult your decision. Now, I would love to tell you that I got that on my own. I didn't. I heard that on the radio. And I thought, I'm going to steal that. And, and, uh, and it worked. It worked well. Um, so, taking the long... Well, hey, let me read this real quick before we get to that bottom of 54. If you are calm, you are consistent, and you always do what you say you're going to do, you will earn their respect and trust 
but it won't happen with a snap of your fingers. So uh, what your children think about you at any one particular moment isn't necessarily what they will think about you for life. You know, sooner or later they'll come around. Yeah, amen. <laughs> so taking the long view, uh, take a look down the road, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. What do you want your child to be? What do you want her work ethic to look like? What about the way she views herself, her relationships with others, your relationship with her? Best-selling author and business consultant Stephen Covey has a great perspective. If you want something, start with that end in mind, he says. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. Uh, so he, he gets into the weeds here. Uh, I wanted to say we're doing great on time. Um, do you think the parents wanted or planned for these situations? Henry is 17 and just went into drug rehab. Narinda was arrested for shoplifting and spent a night in jail. Tony bit another child and was kicked out of kindergarten. Amanda went thrill riding on her friend's motorcycle and both of them ended up in the morgue. They were trying to dash between two cars and they lost the race. Carrie's 15 and weighs only 88 pounds. She has struggled with anorexia for the past two years. Jason, who is 21, lost his third job for backtalking his supervisor. So these are, you know, various and sundry nightmares. And so uh, he, he gives you the backstory. First, he asks this question. Did these situations just happen or did little things happen along the way that led to these bigger things? Here's what these parents said as they look back. Henry was the kind of kid who always overdid everything. We caught him smoking a joint with a friend when he was 11, but he just shrugged off our concern. He gave me the old, but dad, I was just curious. I won't do it again. Dumb me. I believed him. I should have followed up. Now I know that he kept smoking marijuana, then moved to meth. I thought he was saving up money for a car. He was using the money from his jo job for drugs. And, and, you know, you guys have heard drastic situations call for drastic measures. So uh, the next one. Miranda, who was arrested for shoplifting, spent a night in jail. We never confronted Miranda when she took things from her sister's room. When I found out she took 20 bucks from my purse, I let it go because she said that she needed to pick up some things at the store. But I should have pursued it. And then uh, Tony, uh, the little biter. Uh, Tony was out of control, a two-year-old, but I thought it was just because he was two. You know, the terrible twos thing. I figured he'd grow out of it. But then he proceeded into the independent threes and threw even more fits. Two of our babysitters quit. I should have had a clue that something major was wrong. But I just figured they were, they were pushovers. Now I realize it was me who was the pushover. I gave him everything he wanted. When he ran into someone who wouldn't, he just bit them. He had bitten the babysitters too. And then, of course... i uh, got some patience like that. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> says the veterinarian. Amanda uh, was always a free spirit and really social. Everybody liked her. She had lots of friends. But when she was a junior in high school, her friends changed. They were more, they were more of the party, thrill-seeking type. I figured it was just a phase, and Amanda would get over it. Uh, some of these, I, I just got to believe there was some incident that said it was okay to do that, to start that path, to take that first joint. You know, well, so, no, I think that's exactly what he's trying to get across, that, that the parents were, were lackadaisical. They, they, weren't, they didn't take the, how, how would you say it, that they let the small offenses go, and it just turned into huge. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm talking about this maybe not, the, there may be two different things here that we're talking about. One, one is 
a moral failure that the child seals, sees in their parents' life, mm. or they're they're abused in some way, mm -hmm. and that well, you know, if my parents don't care enough about me, I'm just going to start drinking or going to start right. smoke some some event that puts in that kid's mind they don't this care. This is okay. Yeah. yeah, this is okay. This they don't care. And then then the lack of response, or at least digging around to find out why. Why did you think it was okay to even try try this? We don't allow this in our house. Um, what happened to you to make you think this is okay? Right. Getting to the bottom of that, I think, is important too. If there is a, you know, and it may not be, it may just be a matter of a, a kid that's never been disciplined. Um, well, so I think you have to go back to the mountain or the molehill thing. And because I do believe that it's important, Dr. Hooks, what you're talking about, when you start to see a pattern, especially, you, you sit down with that child and, and you work through it. You, I mean, you ask the hard questions. Uh, you know, Molly probably remembers that Benjamin was threatened with military school more than three times, you know, um, to the point that we almost bought a bus ticket, you know, things of that nature, because he had an issue with taking things that wasn't his. I was waiting on y'all to be consistent with what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Have you looked into military school, hon? <laughs> we did. We looked into it uh, deeply. Who was that for? Ben Benjamin. Uh. Yeah. Um, oh, it's still an option for Tony, but nonetheless, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so the next one that he gets into here, Carrie has always been concerned about the way she looks. When she was nine, she was a little chubby. A favorite uncle commented to her about seeing her big fat belly in her swimsuit when we were at the pool one day. After that, she made a lot of comments about how fat she was. I think yeah. that is something like what you're talking about. Yeah. This is something that has happened that needs to be dealt with. First of all, the uncle needs to be told, hey, dude, yeah, you know, right. watch your words. Yeah. But then, sure, you know, let, let, let's let's watch our weight, but let's don't, you know, you can go be, too far either direction. Healthy in either direction. Yeah. Um, can we have a, a funny aside here? Uh, one of my favorite pictures is this very, very large man that on his shirt, it says, I beat anorexia. It just kills me every time I see it. All right. <laughs> and he's got a huge smile on his face. So uh, page 57, uh, he says, what kind of parent are you? Uh, so he's, what he's going to do, he's going to get into the three types of parents. Uh, page 58, you have the permissive parent. Uh, this parent is a slave to the child, places the priority on the child, not on his or her spouse, robs the child of self-respect and self-esteem by doing things for her that the child could do for herself, provides the child with the Disneyland experience, makes things as easy as possible, does homework for the child, answers for her, and so on. I guarantee you Molly did not have that type of parent. Uh, probably closer to this one. Uh, does this sound like you, the authoritarian parent? makes all the decisions for the child, uses reward and punishment to control the child's behavior, sees himself as a better than the child, runs the home with an iron hand, grants little freedom to the child. I believe you said, I'm the king of this household well, multiple times. Is that authoritarian? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it was saying there at the end. King stunned. King stunned. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving right along, mm -hmm. then the third type, is authoritative or responsible parent, which is probably closer to what I had hoped to be. <laughs> Gives the child choices and formulates guidelines with him or her, provides the child with decision-making opportunities, develops consistent loving discipline, holds the child accountable, lets reality be the teacher, 
conveys respect, self-worth, and love to the child, and therefore enhances the child's self-esteem. So, you know, you as the parent are in the position to leave an indelible mark on your child, and you do it often without even being aware of it. The truth is both extremes, permissive and authoritarian, will cause children to rebel. Can I just make a, a, this is a commentary that on this section here, he asked the, the um, question at the beginning of this section, what kind of parent are you? And I think that's something you should ask every day. What kind of parent am I? And what kind of parent do, do I, I want, want to be? be? Um, and the thought occurred to me, if, if you, here's a hallmark that I, I think every kid should see their parent struggling to be a godly person. I, I, I don't, I think that's the most important thing. See you mess up, you know, I messed up. I'm sorry, I'm gonna do whatever I can, can to make it right, and I'm not gonna do it again. If your, if your kids see it, and, and they'll call you out on it for sure, mm -hmm. they, they'll, they'll see the inconsistency. And when they do, if they see you struggling to be a godly person, and I think that's the, the you know, it in a nutshell right there, that, that, that sets the standard. This is what we're striving for, and it comes at a cost. And that hurts, too, when they call you out. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That hurts. Yeah. Megan was really good at that. Or bad at it, however you want to. Yeah. So, so and that, then it puts you into the evaluation thing like you're talking about on yourself. Yeah. And it gets real the older they get, or for me anyway, because with Sadie, it's kind of like just thinking, would I want her to date me? <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah ouch. Yeah. And this, ew, it's time to, you got to step your game up <laughs> and you got to, you got to do better. Yep. Uh, closer walk with the Lord, he'll start putting his mm -hmm. finger on some things too. Yes. Yes. Amen. Uh, he, go ahead. Well, I was going to end it. Please. Okay. He says, I like what he says here is that if you want your child to be a healthy, well-adjusted adult, you need to realize just how important you are in the picture. Your child needs not only your attention, but also a relationship with you. And so we will wrap up the Wednesday chapter for next week and talk about um, what we, what you need to do on Wednesday in order to have a new kid by Friday. So the Psalms I want, or the Proverbs that I wanted to share tonight is found in chapter 24, verses 19 through 20. Fret not thyselves because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man, the candle of the wicked shall be put out. Uh, reading that this morning, it just really stuck out because of, and we've talked about it multiple times, all the things that we're going through currently in the world, um, whether it have been in the last 10 years to even just last week. Um, it just is an encouragement to know that God is still in control and the evil will meet their just end um, and we won't have to worry about doing it. For, for him. He, he will do it himself. God will do it himself. All right. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives to next week. Like and share. Share the word on your socials, and good night. <laughs>